0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. All
1: right, well, it's my privilege to welcome Ali Lloyd from Open Doors Australia to come and share with us now. So let's welcome Ali as she comes forward. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much, Pastor Joel. And thank you, Liberty Family Church, for having me with you all this morning. Um, I loved getting to somewhat be with you last year. I don't know if any of you were listening to the service that Open Doors was in last year during COVID. Not quite the same. It was online and it's probably still online for a few people today, but it's a pleasure to be with you all in person and able to gather during this time. Um, it excites me that as a church community, you have decided to hold an Open door Sunday again this year. Uh, as a church, I hope you realise the impact that your community is actually having on a global scale across, across the world in the last year. So last year, as a church, you gave $4,000 to a secret project that we were running in North Korea. Um, Did anyone know that? Put your hand up if you were aware. Awesome. Okay, half the room. So if you weren't aware, you were actually involved in seeing that happen just by being in this room today and calling this church your home. um, You've actually been contributing to the persecuted church around the world. So first off, before I do anything else, I just want to thank you all. Uh, for the part that you've played to see Bibles go into the hands of pastors and believers who do not have access to to them. And in North Korea, the place that has been the most dangerous nation to follow Jesus in the world in the last tw- two decades, the last 20 years, you've contributed to seeing the gospel to keep, continue to go forth in the darkest place on the planet. So thank you, church. <laughs> Yes, I think that deserves a round of applause. So today I'll be sharing a few stories with you all from the persecuted church and, and not just stories and testimonies, but also alongside those stories, the lessons that we can be learning as the church from these mentors to our faith in the global persecuted church. And now I'm sure you would all agree the last year or so that we have experienced has not been the easiest Especially for all of you here in Hillsville, the last week you've experienced hasn't been the easiest. Yet in spite of all of this, what a privilege that we still have the opportunity to come and gather as the church, to worship boldly, even with a mask on our face, we can still worship God with with passion, without fear of anyone coming to stop us as we, we bless the Lord. And I pray that these stories that you hear this morning, despite the difficulty, despite the hardship that they experience following Jesus, that the lessons they've learnt in the midst of their trials, my prayer is that for you today, those lessons would hit home in your heart. That it would not just be stories you hear that go in one ear and out the other, but instead they would become encouragements and challenges to your own faith as you follow Jesus that in the midst of your day-to-day life, when you hit those challenges and you hit those struggles, that you would be encouraged by your brothers and sisters who are also following the Lord in adversity. So before I get into some of those stories, I just want to take a moment and pray if you'd close your eyes and join with me. Holy Spirit, we, we praise you, God. We, we worship and glorify you. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be your children to be your friends, to be your servants and your ambassadors here in Australia. God, we thank you for this time this morning, for all that you're doing uh, in this city, in this church, in this nation. But Lord, we just pray as well that as we meditate and, and hear the stories of what is happening in some of the furthest parts of the world, God, that you would soften and prepare our hearts to hear this. Lord, we pray that this message this morning uh, would not be one that we just sit and listen to, but instead it would uh, propel and catalyze us as we go into our week to give us a boldness and a courage as we follow you, Jesus, here in Victoria. I just pray that you would bless um, the words I speak this morning, God, and they would be a timely word for this church in your precious name. Amen. 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 Uh, so, as was said, my name is Ali Lloyd. I'm 24 years old and I've been working for Open Doors for two years now. But I have such a heart for the global church. And that's why I believe, for me personally, this is the best job I could ever have. Because my heart is both for the believers, the brothers and sisters that we have around the world following Jesus. But who knows, the global church also includes us. Because we are on the globe. (laughs) Even though we're in our hometown where we live, we are still part of that global church. And it encourages me to see brothers and sisters like yourselves in this room following Jesus the best way that you know how here in Australia, as well as hearing the stories of it happening all over the world. And so I'm encouraged to have the opportunity to come and share with you today. And I guess see a spark, an even greater spark in your courage as you follow Jesus here. I believe the message of the persecuted church is one of the most important messages for the Australian church in this time, especially as we've begun to face more and more difficulties and trials as a church. I believe this message is one to give us hope and encouragement that there's actually nothing that can diminish the fire in our hearts as we follow Jesus. And I pray that this would be a reminder for you of that today. But before I begin, raise your hand if you have heard of Open Doors before. Wow, most of the room, that's awesome. Who else has heard of Brother Andrew or read the book God Smuggler? Okay, awesome. Very familiar. That's wonderful. This one might be a bit more challenging and I know a lot of you have your masks on, but I'd still love you to participate if you can. Um, Call out if you know how many Christians are persecuted across the world. And you may not know the exact number, but just take a stab, take a guess at how many you think. (laughs) Anyone brave enough? (laughs) 500 million, that is... Probably the biggest guess I've had before. (laughs) It's not that (laughs) high. And now it kind of doesn't sound as impressive when I get to the number. (laughs) I'll just tell you the number. So 340 million Christians are persecuted around the world today. Now, to give some clarity, two years ago that number was only 280 million. And this year it was 340 million. And so we see that even in the last two years, there's been a significant increase of persecution across the globe. Um, as I shared before, you're, what you're doing in North Korea, there, there are tens of thousands of Christians who are in prison camps in North Korea for following Jesus there. And to say yes to following Jesus in North Korea is literally putting up your hand to say, I'm going to die for Jesus. I'm willing to die for Jesus. And so unlike here in Australia, where if someone is exploring their faith and they want to know more about Jesus, so they come into a church and they're asking questions and they're wanting to find out more. In North Korea, it's a little bit more black and white. (laughs) If you're going to choose to be a Christian, you are giving up everything with the fear of even giving up your life. But I want to share um, a few stories of, I guess, some, I won't go through all the 340 million stories today. But I just want to share a couple of those 340 million stories. Because I think the important thing to remember is that as much as that is a very big statistic and number... There are faces and names and testimonies behind each one of those numbers of people just like you and me who are following Jesus in their own nation. And one of those stories is of a Russian Orthodox priest whose name was Father Yukonin. Now he was a Russian Orthodox priest and dissident who was jailed for his faith in a notorious labor camp for five years. Now, he wasn't just placed in a labor camp and and in a prison amongst other guards, but he was actually placed into solitary confinement in that camp. And so for five years, he was locked in this space. But the prison guard said as he was coming in, you can take one item in with you. And I think that's a pretty generous thing in and of itself, going into prison that he can even take one thing in with him. Obviously, a Bible was not allowed so Father Yukonan decided to take his prayer beads in with him and he had this uh, chain of beads and there were 11 beads on it and he used this bead to stimulate a morning ritual of thankfulness. He commented that what saved him during his time in prison was using those beads to stimulate that ritual of thankfulness. He commented that human beings have two options in life they can either exist or they can flourish. The Flourishing has nothing to do with material wealth for you can merely exist as a rich person or you can flourish in prison. Conan, believe that we must deliberately set ourselves a goal of being thankful because that was the most profound reason we were made in the first place. And I'm sure you would all agree with that. The reason that we were created was to know God but primarily was to worship him. And thankfulness to God is a form of worship. And I loved that song, Raise a Hallelujah, this morning. I think that's just so perfect, that in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our situations, we are called to glorify and raise a hallelujah unto God. Amen. Father Conan commented that under persecution, you can continue to thrive. If your attitude is like the psalmist in 116 verse 12, where he says, how can I repay the Lord for the good things that he has done to me? Euconan also commented that we became sinful when we lost our center of gratitude to God. And we see this described in Romans one i I'm sure a lot of you know this verse, that though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. It comes back again to this place of gratitude to God. And Father Yukonan lived out this practice every single morning as he arose. He would wake up and count out 11 things that he was thankful for. And this is five years he's doing that. As I was thinking about this, I was, I was trying to think about what would he have been thankful for in prison? Like what are 11 things that every single day you get up and are thankful for? And I feel like after a while, you just get into a bit of a rut of saying (laughs) the same things. And it'd be hard to be creative in such a confined space. But I imagine a few of those prayers would have been things like, Lord, thank you that I have a bed to sleep on tonight. Thank you that I'm still in a place of shelter. God, thank you that I still have breath in my lungs. So there's still a purpose for my life. Thank you that even though I'm confined, I have time to spend time with you. But that's only four. So I'd like to know what the rest of it. <laughs> Thankfulness is such a biblical attitude to walk in. And I'm sure you would all agree with that. But in times where there's struggles and trials, it can be a hard thing to continue to cultivate in our lives. For Father Yukonan, this was actually something he had established in a pattern in his life long before persecution hit. And I think that is one of the keys there. Because right now, if we gathered in this room, had police officers come barging through the front door with guns, pointing them at us, telling us that this was illegal and we were all off to prison. How many of you would be able to say that when you hit that prison cell and you were all alone, that you would begin to start praising and worshipping God? Now, I hope I would have that attitude and do that. But I even know just from the last year of experience of lockdowns and uh, things not going our way and planned holidays being cancelled that my attitude hasn't always been one of gratitude and thankfulness. But instead I've begun to see complaint emerge in my life and frustration. But I love the story of Paul and Silas when they hit prison. And I'm sure you all know this story. They're thrown into prison and their response was the same as Father Yukonan's. They began to praise and worship and glorify God. To the point that all the other prisoners, they were annoyed at them. But who knows what happens? The the door swung open and they were not only released, but the prison guards came to a knowledge of God through that experience. Such a powerful testimony, and one I hope. That if we were in the same position, we would also, by the grace of God, see happen in our lives. I was really encouraged by Father Yukonan's story, however, to establish disciplines in my life now. While I'm in peace, while I'm in safety, while I'm in the security of a comfortable life following Jesus here in Australia. So that when the trials and persecutions of life do hit, I've already prepared my life and my heart to know that like Father and I will thrive in the midst of pressure and I will not merely exist. The Lord was challenging me on this recently as I was reflecting on the famous story in the book of Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And I'm sure most of you know this story, but for in case anyone isn't quite familiar, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were Israelites who were taken from their land to a foreign nation and they were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and in this moment King Nebuchadnezzar commanded that everyone bow down to him as king and if you know the story you know that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego chose to stand firm because their king was Yahweh and not this king and they wanted to honour God and not bow down to any other idols as we know in the Ten Commandments. But because they stood against this king and they standed firm and they didn't bow down, King Nebuchadnezzar commanded that they be thrown into a fiery furnace. Now this fiery furnace was stoked seven times hotter to the point that even the people stoking it died as they tried to build up this fire. But as we know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are thrown into this fire and are not consumed Not even their belts are singed. Nothing is burnt. And as King Nebuchadnezzar and his guards are watching on, as these three men stand still, (laughs) walking around in this fire, not being burnt, they see, what do they see in the fire? A fourth person standing there in the fire. And now I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I grew up hearing this story. And sometimes the stories like this that we hear as children Um, When we reflect as adults, it kind of, it seems to not really hit us as much sometimes as a child. But as you're reading it, as in when I read it um, more recently, I kind of saw it in a new light and I was like, wow, I just can't believe these three men in the midst of a fire, not being consumed, not being harmed. But I asked the Lord an interesting question while I was reading this passage, Ask asked the Lord, God, why, why did you go and meet them as the fourth man in the fire? Why did you not just put the fire out? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a simpler solution to just remove the fire completely rather than causing this miracle and meeting them as the fourth man in the fire? But I felt the Lord say to me that by, me, by him coming to meet them as the fourth man in the fire, he showed King Nebuchadnezzar Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the rest of the nation watching on, that the fire didn't have power over them, but that God had power over the fire. God had power over the situation. And a situation that was meant to consume them, God prevailed. And as we know, the end result is King Nebuchadnezzar turns around and says, wow, your God must be the one true God. And as I had this realisation, I began to view other Bible stories and even situations in my own life in such a different way. That instead of asking the why God questions in moments of struggle that we even personally experience, that maybe those situations are similar to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that maybe those situations of trial and suffering and persecution that we walk through here in our life is actually a moment that God wants to step in as as the fourth man in our fire and show himself greater over the situation, to show to the people around our life that are watching on as we walk through that trial that their God must be real if they can walk through this and not be consumed if they can be locked in prison and come out thriving more than before, if they can walk through suffering and still have joy, their God must be a true God. In reflection of this, I found myself being so thankful personally. But I also noticed, as I mentioned before, that not every single time the pressures of life hit me do I personally continue these rhythms of thankfulness. But sometimes I still, I think as we all do, we're humans, <laughs> when those trials hit, we instead get worried that we will just get burnt up when we're in that fire. In James 1.3, in the message, I just love the way this translation states this verse. It says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colours. And I love the way that that translation depicts these seasons of trial in our life. When these pressures hit, what is coming out of our life? Is it courage or fear? Gratitude or complaint? Determination or surrender to the situation around us? And I know personally we can all assess because we've experienced that in the last year of new trials and new um, new situations of, of suffering, although it may look different to our brothers and sisters overseas, it's still so very real to us here in Australia. And what personally did you see come out of your life in that time? Did you turn towards Netflix, turn towards the distractions to just ride out the time and exist? Or instead, did you find yourself turning towards the Lord and saying, God, thank you that I have this time of lockdown. Thank you that The things of my life are stripped back a little bit and I have even more time to get to know you. As we all know, Jesus promises trials and and persecution in our life and it's all through the scripture. I love to like highlight my Bible when I read it and underline things, but (laughs) growing up especially, a a lot in the Psalms as well because it's a bit of a roller coaster as we know in the Psalms. I'd find myself highlighting all the scriptures of blessings and and promises and the beautiful things that come with life and faith. But when I hit those scriptures of Jesus promising us suffering, promising us trials and persecution, I'd kind of skip it and go and start highlighting the next verses. But as much as we may try to do that in our own Bibles and in our own life, there is suffering, there is persecutions that Jesus promises. But the reason, like in that story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that he doesn't just come in as a superhero and save the day the way that we think he will, is because he wants to show himself glorified over our situations and see faith endure in us during those times. One of my favourite scriptures is in Psalm 23.5, that the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And I believe a woman who portrays that so beautifully is a woman by the name of Helen Bahani. And I may have shared her story last year, but I just want to show you this video of her speaking herself um, and then tell you her journey and her story. So let's turn to the screen to watch that.
2: Hi, it's Helen I'm safe now Who can preach the gospel? The answer is simple Anyone who is not afraid to die I was in that shipping container For 32 months In the heat of desert day The walls would burn our skin In the night we shook from the cold. I remember the story of Paul and Silas. Like them, I began to sing. The guards try to stop me, but I keep singing and they keep preaching the good news to anyone who would listen. They tried everything they torture me with a tool meant to kill. Their goal was for me to deny my faith, stop saying Jesus. All I could answer was, I cannot. I accept him unto death. But your prayers carried me through. I would tell the other prisoners. People are praying for us. I can feel it. The name of Jesus is medicine, and the world desperately needed it. Our brothers and sisters are still in prison. While we eat, they have no food. While we are free, they are in chains. We can do more. Keep on praying. Keep on supporting. Keep on singing. Your sister in Christ, Helen.
0: Helen's story is one of the most beautiful testimonies that I've encountered in my time at Open Doors. As she said in the video, she was locked in a shipping container for two and a half years because she was unwilling to stop sharing the gospel. In Eritrea, the desert is the prison. There are no typical prisons like we have here in Australia, but instead they throw shipping containers in the desert and cram them full of 20 plus people. It's so hot during the day that if your skin touches the, the container, it burns straight away. And at night, as we know, the desert, it was freezing cold. On occasions, Helen would be caught sharing the gospel and, and singing stories with new believers that she continued to lead to the Lord and disciple even while she was in prison. And on one particular occasion, while she was caught leading some new disciples in a Bible Bible time, she the guards caught her while she was doing this and they took her outside, they stripped her, and they forced her onto the rocky ground. And they began to ask her this question. They said, Helen, where is your Bible? And she said, I do not have one. Again, the guard asked, Helen, where is your Bible? And she said, I'm in prison. I do not have one here. The guard asked a third time, Helen, is your Bible in your head? And she said, yes, I carry the scriptures in both my head and my heart. But the guard commented, well, we're going to have to beat it out of you then. And the guard took a baton and began beating Helen. But the amazing part of the story is halfway through this beating, Helen stopped and she looked the guard straight in the eyes And she said, I do not hate you and I forgive you because you are merely carrying out an order. But what you need to know is I'm carrying out an order too. And that is not to deny Jesus Christ. So carry on. Christianity in and of itself wasn't illegal in Eritrea. What was illegal was sharing the gospel with someone else. And all Helen had to do to leave that prison was sign a document saying she would never share the gospel again. But sign that document she never could because as she said herself in that video, Jesus Christ is the medicine to this world. So he must be shared. Helen lived from this position of thankfulness. And once she was freed, she would often challenge Western believers. If tomorrow you woke up, With only the things that you were thankful for today, what would you have? A really sobering question. Think about it yesterday. What were you thankful for yesterday? And if today you woke up and that was all that you would have, what you were thankful for yesterday, how many of you think that you would have the exact same things that you're experiencing today? I've heard this question so many times, but I don't know that I can still say that I would have everything of my life yesterday, today. Helen, in this moment, when she, when she was being beaten, she was thrown into, back into her shipping container. But her response that she exclaims in this moment, I just find so incredible. She says that in that moment, she laid herself out before God and she just began to praise God and worship Him and thank Him. And she believes that if she didn't actually do that in that moment, she's unsure if she would have survived. That she actually recognized the power of worship and praise even in that moment of suffering. And she didn't just endure, but she came out in, in freedom and, and experiencing the glory of God and now t- travels around the world now that she's free from that prison, encouraging believers like you and I of that same testimony we can experience in our lives. For us here in Australia, however, our enemies won't and they definitely don't look the same as Helen's. Our trials and our enemies often look a bit more like fear or anxiety, depression, job loss, health issues, family issues. These are still the very real trials that we face as Christians here. And it's in these life situations that we face that these things try to overcome us. But I love that verse I mentioned before in Psalm 23, that in the midst of our enemies, God prepares a table for us. That in the midst of the enemies that we face here in Australia, whether it be apathy, whether it be anxiety, whether it be COVID, whatever the situation may be, that in that place, God prepares a table in the midst of those enemies and says, ignore them, but come and meet with me, come and know me, come and worship me. In all of this, I believe that the preparation for pressure and those times to come begin with the small moments of our life. It's in the moments where we wake up on a Sunday and we're like, I can't be bothered going to church. That we can thank God that we have a church to come to. It's in the moments where um, we've got a catch up with a a friend, but then sickness takes over us. But we can say, God, thank you that uh, if I was well, I could still go and catch up with this friend. And thank you that I'm still in a nation where I can be um, rest and be well and not have to worry about food or or how expensive this sickness is going to be to recover. It's in all of these small moments in our life that when we choose that attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness, we're actually preparing ourselves for those fiery furnace moments to come, that when they hit, we know that we will not just endure it, but again, like Father Yukonim, we will thrive in the face of it. Just like Father Yukonan and Helen Bahani, our brothers and sisters who have endured the pressure of persecution are the voices that I desire to turn to as I face trials, to learn from their lives and how they succeeded in their faith during this time. And now the last story I want to share with you today of one of these testimonies is of a brother from northern India. And I'm sure many of you are aware that it is very difficult to follow Jesus in northern India. And his name is Pastor Rohan, and this is his story of holding fast through persecution. <laughs>
3: that இருந்தால கூட அந்த would survive <laughs> ஒரு a challenge. i நான் like to apply a kindergarten andful пос helmets on Foundation on the personal Militdišade children's ministry, we were looking for a two major Phi Archite Book of Children's Ministry in thewe legal background and Elsa, and which year we had a call turn on to say that if there weren't any This all went on How is it going the farm? Iava it. I was going to be a little I think they told me that they were missionary. They a missionary. They were a missionary. They were a missionary. They were and missionary. They were வரை. என் சகோதரரே நீங்கள் a missionary. They were a missionary. They לכன் உண்டாக்கும் என்று அறிந்து அதை மிகுந்த சந்தோஷமாக சேர்வில் நீங்கள் ஒன்றிலும் endure clairement பså Whole progressing onnerallas்urbதன் த snowfl eerste
0: scene gets me every single time. (laughs) Seeing new disciples come to Jesus in the midst of some of these nations, I just think is the most beautiful testimony of the persecuted church. I love that in this story, you may have noticed that Pastor Rohan said in seven years, he saw 30 families come to faith. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's a long time (laughs) To see to see fruit actually come from the sowing that he's placed into that nation. And as beautiful as this story is, I'm always just in awe of his response to stay after that church is burnt to the ground. When I try to picture myself in a similar situation, I often ask the question: would I stay if that is what happened to me as a pastor? If it had taken me seven years to see 30 people come to faith and then the work of all that hard sowing into a nation and an area that doesn't want to receive Jesus, they turn around and burn the church that you'd built to the ground. I think I would leave for two reasons. Firstly, for safety and security for my family. And secondly, just to see fruit somewhere else. But I love that the response of Pastor Rohan in that moment was just as the Lord cried over Jerusalem, Christ's heart longs for India. And that is the story and the message of the persecuted church. It is the love of Christ and the love for the people of their nation that compels them to stay. So that their home may have the opportunity to encounter the same loving God that has transformed their life. This kind of surrender is always and only ever propelled by such a deep love. And it is the kind of relentless love that we see mirrored in the life of Christ that gave him the strength to take on that cross and go to Calvary for our sake. It's the same unconditional love that these believers have for the people groups and their nations they're trying to reach. The same gospel that ultimately removes death from the equation. That is why they do not fear death because they know they have already died with Christ and been raised to life. I just want to close with this one passage in Romans 8, 35 to 39, which I think sums this up beautifully. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Know in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So brothers and sisters, for us here in Australia, I want to encourage you with these words today. That as you're going out and you're following Jesus in the week to come and the months to come and the years to come, that as you feel Jesus tug on your heart to to step out in obedience in different areas of your life, that you would remember the words of your brothers and sisters. You would remember their yeses to Jesus and the fruit that it produced but also with all the trials and persecutions that may come your way in the future. You would also remember to stay in that position of worship and thankfulness unto the Lord. I also just want to share as well just three ways that each of you can really simply engage with the persecuted church. As I shared at the start, as a church, you're already supporting Open Doors and have already done a significant part in seeing the gospel go forth into North Korea, which is, I hope you realise how incredible that is. A, a nation where we're not even allowed to go and put our feet on the ground through your finances. Your church has actually been able to have impact into that nation. But at the same time, from right here, there's, two, there's three ways that we can really specifically engage with the persecuted church, where we don't even have to leave our seat. And the first one is what you've all been doing today, and that's listening. Lending an ear and actually hearing these testimonies and stories of brothers and sisters who have given up their their lives for this and learning from their lives as we follow Jesus here. Secondly, prayer. Prayer is a huge one that we can cross thousands of kilometers with a prayer that we may not be able to cross in person during this time. And so I urge you, brothers and sisters, as you're you're praying for your family and your own situations, to remember the persecuted church in your prayers. So like Helen said in the video to the other prisoners she was with, I can feel the prayers that are happening for us, that our brothers and sisters would feel the prayers of the saints that are coming forth from places like here in Australia. And thirdly, I'd love to encourage you as individuals, as you continue to support as a congregation, but to personally consider subscribing to the survival of the persecuted church. You know, subscriptions are a huge part of life now. It's kind of hard to avoid having a subscription to Spotify or Netflix or our gym or whatever you subscribe to in life. But as much as we're willing to put dollars every single month into our entertainment or into building up our own um, ability in areas, would you be willing to subscribe $10 a month or $20 a month or however much the Lord puts on your heart to actually invest into Bibles going forth into nations, to seeing churches rebuilt where they're destroyed, to seeing the gospel go forth into the rest of the globe? And if that's something that after hearing this today, you're like, I actually really feel I want to join hands and come, kind of come alongside and be the fourth man in the fire with my brothers and sisters and hold their hand as they're going through this trial, then I encourage you to do so. As you can see on the screen, you can type in opendoors.org slash liberty for your church and you can give through there and it'll be connected to your church. Or if you love still doing the QR codes, you can just scan that and do it through that. Um, But I really want to thank you as a community for the part you have played. um, And thank you for your prayers that are coming from this house. And I just want to take a moment and pray. but, But as I pray, I was just wondering, would you, if you're able, would you be willing to stand with me as I pray, just as a symbol of coming alongside our brothers and sisters? So would you stand? Father, we praise you and thank you for the honour and privilege that it is to serve you. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world who despite adversity, persecution, death, no matter what faces them, Jesus, that they're not afraid to say yes to following you, Lord. God, would you, would you give us an experience with your love that would help us to say yes in the face of the fear and the enemies that come against us in life, those trials that come against us. Jesus, would we experience the perfect love that casts out all fear? Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing across the globe through the many hands of our brothers and sisters who are saying yes. And right now as a church here in Australia, we just commit them into your hands, Lord. We ask that you would give them courage with everything they face, Lord, that they would feel your presence as they sit in prison cells, as they they risk their lives to put Bibles in letterboxes, God, whatever they're saying yes to as they follow you. Would you give them a confidence and the feeling of your presence as they go? And Lord, we thank you for um, our hearts here in Australia, Jesus. Would you strengthen our hearts and give us courage to say yes as well? Lord, that our lives would be marked by thankfulness and not complaint, by, by courage and not fear. And I thank you, God, for Liberty Family Church and all they're doing in this house to reach not just the community of Healesville, but to reach the nations of the world. God, would you bless their hands as they give, bless their hearts as they listen, and they are generous with their time and and their own lives. And God, that as you bless them, they would continue to give more and more in abundance to see your kingdom grow. We praise you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen and Thank you, Church.
1: Thanks so much, Ali. Let's give Ali a hand. Isn't it fantastic to hear some more stories from the persecuted church? It's super encouraging for me. Hey, like Ali said, if if you've kind of stirred on a personal note that maybe this is a ministry that is one that you'd like to support financially, can I encourage you to actually link it up with our church? Because how cool would it be, right? How cool would it be to look at our tally as a church community and just see that continue to increase and see our our contributions collectively reach even a, a higher significant figure, you know? Like, how cool would it be if one day we were a church that were able to sow $10,000 into the ministry of Open Doors? That'd be really cool. So, yeah, by, by no means am I saying do so if it's going to put you in a bad financial situation. But if you can, consider linking your donation through that link, um, opendoors.org forward slash liberty. That'd be great. Thanks so much for being with us here today, Ali. We really appreciate it.